This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 20th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The now-repealed lower tax rates in Kansas have been called a failed experiment, and many fans of larger governments saw the repeal as a vindication of the value of a large public sector. Grover Norquist is president of Americans for Tax Reform. We talked about the Kansas tax cuts and what the repeal means for other states. Is it fair to call what Kansas did back in 2012 with respect to taxes an experiment? No, I know the governor did. What what they did was add a rather significant tax cut because the uh, pro-large government Republicans uh, didn't want a tax cut. So they took the governor's tax reform, which included significant rate reductions with broadening the base. They took the base broadening out and just passed the tax cut, which was a larger tax cut than the governor had asked for, uh, feeling that the governor would never actually enact it and therefore they could go back to their constituents and say, we did too vote for a tax cut, uh, but they could safely know that it wouldn't happen, keep the teachers union happy. Uh, the Republicans in the House said, okay, we'll do this. And they went out and passed the tax cut, not tax reform, but tax cut. The Republicans tried to repeal their initial enactment before <laughs> the other, the House passed it. But it did pass and it became law. And, and the governor was always willing to uh, make it, to have some revenue to uh, uh to reduce the loss of revenue. But the second part of that was even without that, uh, spending has gone up more than revenue did. Spending has continued to grow during the period after the tax cut. So instead of having some bending the cost curve down while they did tax reduction, tax reform, they continued to spend. So this, this strikes me as a pretty standard story with respect to uh, taxes and spending. That is, uh, some constituency needs to be satisfied. So the re reform is altered in such a way that it, it cannot achieve what uh, may have been promised and spending reductions do not accompany the tax cuts. Yeah, well, this was a victory for the advocates of bigger government. So the idea that this shows that smaller government fails, think, think through this. Kansas is a state with 27 percent higher spending per capita than those nine states that have no income tax. They spend 27 percent more per capita than the average of Texas and Florida and New Hampshire and Washington, all the zero income tax states. They have 27 percent, same number, 27 percent more government employees per capita than the states with no income taxes. So, and the states with no income taxes are all flourishing. Florida and Texas, which have been cutting taxes. But they have no income tax, but they've been cutting taxes uh, over the last six years. Florida, every year, they've been significant tax cuts. Uh, and there you have strong growth. So the idea, Kansas shows the tax cuts don't give you growth, except the states without any income tax are growing strong. Uh, and that Kansas somehow shows that cutting taxes uh, is, is a bad idea when they have bigger government than the no t income tax states. And they had a, a, a small cut, didn't go to zero, small cut uh, in taxes. That our friends on the side of ever larger government of all 57 states have to pick Kansas. 
is because they can't talk about Illinois where big government has been an increasing failure and the state's unfunded liabilities are swelling. All states together have over $5 trillion in unfunded pension liabilities alone. California has tremendous uh, challenges, New York, other states. Uh, and But they have to pick Kansas because they don't want to talk about North Carolina, which operated very much similar to Kansas. Kansas had two parts. There was a cut in the income tax rate. Very good. Uh, there was also a measure which said from now on, whenever revenue hits a certain level, the corporate income tax and or the in personal income tax will ratchet down. So that 25 years from now, if you look back at the historic growth of taxes and spending in, in the state, uh, Kansas would have no income tax, no personal income tax, no corporate income tax. So it's like a 25-year phase in to Texas, Florida, um, Wyoming, Washington State, uh, Alaska, New Hampshire, no income tax, Tennessee, no income tax states. They repealed that. That was the, um, I was a strong advocate of that model. The, the tax cut aside, which I thought was also a good idea, just need to spending restraint. The idea that when revenue comes in beyond expectations, stronger national growth, stronger regional growth, that most of that money coming in should go back to the taxpayers, not to grow government faster than inflation or uh, inflation plus population perhaps. So Kansas had set itself on a path to have a permanent spending level like a sequester, spending restraint, like Tabor, uh, spending level restraint. And whenever revenue came in, the tax cuts would go down again um, to, to, to maintain that. I thought that was a great idea. And the big tragedy is that they lost that because when the people screamed and said, you've cut taxes too much, we need to spend more in this one case, uh, what they killed was long-term spending restraint uh, when they were saying that they were talking about a particular tax cut that they didn't like. This is, this is a fight between people who want to spend more and people who didn't want to spend more. And the fact that they can only point to Kansas as a good example, uh, and they certainly don't want to discuss East Germany versus West Germany or North Korea versus South Korea when it comes to questions of bigger government versus more limited government and what works um, or you know other... New Hampshire versus Vermont. Uh, there are lots of things. Or nationally, because so, some people are trying to say, well, this proves you shouldn't cut taxes so that Trump and the Republicans shouldn't cut taxes now. Well, look at national levels. When we cut taxes in the 80s, you had strong economic growth. When we raised taxes in the 70s, you had bad growth. When, you, when Bush 41 raised taxes in 90, you saw a recession. When Coolidge uh, cut taxes, uh, you had strong economic growth. Then Hoover raised taxes and we had a collapse. Uh, we've seen nationally that rate reduction gives you strong growth and that rate increases, harms growth, gives you recessions. Uh, so if you have to cherry pick, I mean, think about why cherry pick Kansas. It's just one where the teachers unions won the fight. Bill Niskanen, uh, formerly chairman of the Cato Institute here, had an argument which was starve the beast doesn't work. He was referring, of course, to uh, the federal government, the idea that uh, cutting taxes would provide some sort of natural restraint on spending. Uh, he was, I, I think, correct that starve the beast doesn't work, but that isn't necessarily true at the state level. No, and there's a corollary to that. If you 
give the government more money. Richard Ron did this study back when he was at the Chamber of Commerce in the 80s. Every time you raise taxes a dollar, the government spends a dollar twenty, because they not only spend every penny of what you raised, but they anticipate that since they tricked you or fooled you or beat you into the first tax increase, they will get another one. So we do know that raising taxes increases deficits, absent some sort of spending restraint, because the government will spend more money. We got a balanced budget during the Clinton years because Clinton lost the House and the Senate, and his planned policy, which just which was to spend every cent of the 1993-94 tax increases, plus $200 billion. So he was supposed to have a $200 billion deficit as far as I can see because he was going to spend every dollar that came in on taxes. None of it was for deficit reduction, plus $200 billion because he decided that's what the market could bear because Reagan had, had $200 billion and nobody was going to yell at him if he could get to $200 billion and leave it there. Uh, but when the Republicans took the House and Senate, they didn't give him his $200 billion and didn't give him the spending he wanted. And that's what gave us a balanced budget. So spending restraint is key, but cutting taxes or refusing to increase taxes is the necessary but not sufficient condition to reigning in spending. But if you don't say no to tax increases, there is no end to the spending. So Niskanen's looking at half of it saying this doesn't always work in stopping the growth of government. Yeah, but the alternative of tax increases we know consistently always leads to a greater growth of government. So you're better off saying no tax increases and fighting spending. Uh, you may not do as well as Niskanen or I would like on that second fight. But if you give up on taxes, you have no control of spending, period. What is the lesson for these other states that are having such fiscal difficulties? You mentioned Illinois, California, New York. What is the lesson from Kansas, if there is one? Uh, for those states, Illinois, New York, California, they're beyond help. So, sorry, um, bankruptcy law. <laughs> well, what about, what about states court. that are, that are just shy states, of that? Yes. Like, for most states, uh, watch North Carolina. North Carolina cuts taxes and puts in a requirement uh, and, and then reigns in spending and says the next time we hit this revenue level, they didn't do it on a permanent basis. You know, Every time you hit this level of growth, you cut taxes, but they did one off and I think they've done it three times now. So they say, when you hit this number, the individual rate's going down. Next year, when you hit this number, the corporate rate's going down. They've just taken the corporate rate down to 3% now. I think it was had been at six. Uh, so they've done this trigger reduction, which I think is a very powerful thing. I wish that I, I wish that Kansas had compromised on anything except that. But what was interesting is the teachers union and the left was not interested in just the tax revenue this year to cover some deficit. They didn't like the idea of an automatic spending cap which refunded money, just like Tabor in Colorado was hated by the spending interest and gutted by Bill Owens, the Republican uh, governor who shot it in the back. Uh, very sad for, for Colorado. Maybe what's turned it into a largely blue state from being a largely red state was that this spigot is turned on on spending and there's no nothing necessarily slowing it down or stopping it. What are the next states that you see uh, eliminating the, the personal income tax? I, I have heard suggested by a friend of mine in Arizona, Steve Slavinsky is at Arizona, mm -hmm. Arizona State University. He said, Arizona is a pretty likely candidate because they have so many special carve-outs and exemptions for certain populations in Arizona that at some point it might just make sense to get rid of the personal income tax altogether. Uh, there are three states that I see as in competition for being the next 
state, the 10th, 11th, 12th state, to get rid of the state individual and corporate income tax. First is North Carolina, which is almost halfway there. Uh, they have a Republican House and Senate Democratic governor. They got enough votes to override them, and they do. Uh, and they drove it even when you had a four-year for a Republican governor. They, they were driving it, and the Republican governor was, whoa, let's wait. That's where triggers came in. Oh, what do you worry about? I'm worried. Okay, how about trigger? Okay, he'd buy trigger. We hit all the triggers. Uh, Arizona and Wisconsin are two states that are in competition today to demonstrate that they're the most reformist Republican House Senate governor collection in the country. And they compete back and forth. Act 10 in Wisconsin, the right to earn a living in Arizona, um, measures to fight against uh, the abuse of occupational licensing in both states. Uh, Arizona is the Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, everything you'd want legislation state. Uh, in anticipation of driverless cars, they're passing legislation to make it easy to do uh, in Arizona. So, and, and Wisconsin and Arizona have both done very interesting, and both, all three states, Wisconsin, Arizona, North Carolina, have, have outlined that their goal is to get to zero capital gains. And I think it's an interesting race to see who'll get there first. Grover Norquist is president of Americans for Tax Reform. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.